Duncan. The, um, the text that I'll read today is from Acts chapter um, 8. Uh, you might want to follow along. I'll be speaking fairly directly to it. And I'm unpacking it and seeing what's going on in Acts chapter 8. Great passage, great passage. Acts 8, 26 and following. I invite you to listen. This is God's word to us. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go to the south, to the road, the desert road, the wilderness road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture, this is Isaiah 53. <clears throat> he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and a lamb, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the, the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared again in Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations that dwell in our hearts, may these be pleasing to you and build us up in Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus gives the Great Commission. And as you know, the Great Commission is where Jesus says, All authority, heaven and earth, given to me, go and make disciples, baptize and teach. Now, in the beginning of the book of Acts, which was lit, written by Luke, uh, there is Luke's version of the Great Commission. Uh, it's after Jesus is raised from the dead and before he ascends into heaven. Jesus uh, gathers his disciples and he says, authority has been given to me, wait, you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and out into the ends of the earth. Now we're going to talk about Philip this morning. I want to show how Philip, in a very literal way, not only heard that, but when he wasn't even planning on it, was not in his vision at all, carries out that great commission of Luke, of Jesus. So let's first of all understand who Philip is. In the New Testament, there are two Philips. <clears throat> There's Philip the Apostle, like Matthew, or uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip. This is not that Philip. 
The other Philip is Philip in Acts, who is the deacon. Now let, let me just back up and we'll go back and show how the, who Philip is. One of the problems, let me stop right there. You notice there's a problem in the early church, the very, very early church. Imagine churches having problems. So in the very early church, they have a problem. And the problem is that in the distribution of food for the poor people, primarily widows, there's a group of people that are getting overlooked. So there are two groups of people. There are the Hebrew widows and the Hellenistic uh, widows, or the, the Jewish and the Greek-speaking ones. Now, let me pause for a minute. In first century Jewish mind, there are two kinds of people, us and them. <laughs> there are Jews and everybody else. Now, Jewish people are very smart in first century. They know that there's a lot of different kinds of everybody else. There's German everybody else and Italian everybody else. But basically, there's two kinds of people, us and everybody else. So in Jerusalem, right at the beginning of the church, when they have the soup kitchen, the distribution of food, the, the soup kitchen, the everybody else's, the Greek widows, are being overlooked. They're not getting as much food. And what's happening is that Peter, James, and John, the so-called pillars of the church, and the other apostles are spending far too much time administering the soup kitchen, doing the work of the soup kitchen, so they decide we can't be doing this. We need to do the work of the apostles, teaching, preaching, evangelism. So they choose seven. Two of the seven we know by name, Philip and Stephen. Now these men, you can imagine, because they're chosen to work at the soup kitchen, tender men, gentlemen, you know, passionate, compassionate people. But what happens is almost immediately it's discovered that of the five, two of them, namely Stephen and Philip, also have a gift for preaching and teaching. In fact, their gift might be almost stronger than Peter, James, and John. So Stephen is preaching, remember he's chosen to work in the soup kitchen, he's preaching in Jerusalem, Stephen is, Lots of people are coming to Christ, converting, and because Stephen is such a controversial figure, preaching Christ, and you know the story, Stephen is arrested and eventually gets stoned to death. Now, pause for a millimoment here and imagine how horrible, how traumatizing that would be for the early church. To watch a man who is a kind, tender, compassionate man in the middle of a circle with an angry mob around him, picking up stones and aiming at his head. Philip is close friends with Stephen. We know that Philip has four daughters, four unmarried daughters. Imagine how traumatized that situation would make Philip and his four daughters, as well as the other church. So what happens is that because of that, the church in Jerusalem scatters. They, they, the Christian church leaves Jerusalem. They start going to different areas to get out of Jerusalem because it's too dangerous. you got to know Philip had to get out of there because it's just too dangerous, especially he's protecting his daughters. Now we're filling in the gaps a little bit. What probably happens is that Philip... Now, I've been reading on the Internet, and as I've mentioned before, I'm pretty sure everything on the Internet is accurate. And uh, one of the things I'm hearing a lot is that People like yourselves can't learn without PowerPoint presentations. So I just turned on my PowerPoint, and I, I want you to see right here, I got my, my pointer. Right here, you see it? That's Jerusalem. 
the center of the world, quite literally, in Jewish thought. So here's um, Jerusalem. Right up to the north, and a little bit to the east, do you see it, is Samaria. Philip goes to Samaria, but he probably sends his daughter up further to the east, uh, to the coastal, very beautiful resort area of Caesarea. He sends his daughters there, probably because he has some relatives in Caesarea, and they're safe. Remember how traumatized they must have been. They watched Uncle Stephen stoned to death. So the daughters are up in Caesarea. Philip goes to Samaria. Philip remembers a great preacher also. He preaches to the people in Samaria, and the people in Samaria convert. He's like the first Billy Graham. People are coming to Christ because of the preaching of this soup kitchen worker. Now let's pause for a minute to see what's happening. A terrible evil has broken out in Jerusalem. Stephen, for Philip's daughters, Uncle Stephen, has been stoned to death. It's just evil. Evil happens. Christ was crucified. Out of that evil, God doesn't desire the evil, but out of that evil, the people are scattered. Because the people are scattered, they are still preaching. They're talking about Jesus Christ. The word is spreading. Remember the Great Commission earlier on? The word will be spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. Who's the first one to preach in Samaria? Philip, the one who volunteered for the soup kitchen and out to the ends of the world. So out of this evil, out of this tragedy, good is happening. Now, Philip preaches in Samaria. That's the beginning of the chapter 8. Now he goes on probably to, you know, reunite with his daughters up in Caesarea. You still see Caesarea? Caesarea, by the way, is a really beautiful city. I mean, I've never been there, but it's a coastal village. It's on Mediterranean. That's why it's depicted in green. Do you see that? And, and the road from Caesarea to, um, to, from Samaria to Caesarea, it's a lovely road. It's safe. That's why that road isn't green. You can see that right there. So Philip is going up on this lovely road to reunite with his daughters in Caesarea, which is a lovely city. While he was going, walking up there, an angel of the Lord stops him and says, Philip, I don't want you to go to Caesarea, lovely place where your daughters are. I want you to turn south to go that wretched, ugly little city of Gaza through the path that goes through the desert. Now, here are the issues here. Philip has a choice to make. Is he going to go to be reunited with his daughters, four daughters who have been re uh, traumatized because they saw Uncle Stephen stoned to death? Does he go to the lovely resort city of Caesarea, or was that really an angel? How do you tell an angel speaking? And go to that ugly little village of Gaza through a desert road. I want to suggest there are three kinds of decisions that all of us face in life, and only three kinds. This is exhaustive. The first kind of decision that we, we make is a decision between good and evil. You got a creepy neighbor, I use this illustration too much, but you got a creepy neighbor, that creepy neighbor bothers you, do you go over and kill your creepy neighbor? The answer is no, because the Ten Commandments say thou shalt not murder, and you do that. You just obey the commandments. Second kind of decision are usually the decisions that we fuss over way too much, and we shouldn't fuss over them because it doesn't make any difference. Should I buy a Ford or a Chevy? It's a car. It doesn't make any difference. The Mets or the Yankees? It's baseball. I know you're going to say I'm not right, but you're wrong. It doesn't make that much difference. The third kind of decision 
is what Philip is faced with. And it's called discernment. Do I do something good? Go up to Caesarea, reunite with my daughters, they're having a rough time. Or do I do something better? Follow the angel and go on the ugly road to the ugly city of God. How do you do discernment? How do you know? Well, this will make you smile. This will. This will make you smile. Actually, because the acronym is SMILE. So, and I, as I was putting this together, I thought, hey, there's an acronym here. So that's why it's SMILE. How do you know? How do you do discernment? Sorry. S. Silence. Silence is the sanctuary through which the Spirit speaks. Silence. We must be silent to hear the angel. Silence. M. Memory. Scripture memory. Think about Scripture. Has God ever in the Scriptures asked a person to leave where they're comfortable and go to a place they do not know? Of course, Abraham. And there's lots of stories like that. So silence, memory, intercession, in other words, prayer, pray about it. Leaning, lean on God, trust in God, lean on the direction of other people, and execute, which doesn't mean, it means do it. Execute your plan. So Philip goes, instead of going north, he turns around, goes on the desert path to the ugly village, or he's on his way to the ugly village of Gaza. While he's on his way to Gaza, the Spirit of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord comes to Philip and says, I want you to run up next to that chariot. Now, again, we need to do a visual here. On the chariot is a wealthy Ethiopian eunuch who is reading scripture on a chariot. Now, I got to tell you, that is a weird sight. There's no other way to, and I, I got to be honest with you here. As I'm visualizing this, and I'll be, can I be honest? I don't care. <coughs> so I'm doing my afternoon run, okay? And I see some weird people up there. If, if you're one of those people and you see me doing this, then you're weird. Um, I'm not going to run up to those weird people. I'm like on the other side of the street. You know what I'm saying? Philip is told by the Spirit of the Lord, go there. Now, visualize what's going on here. He is wealthy. He is the Timothy Geithner, right? The financial treasurer of Candace, which is the title of the Queen of Ethiopia. It's not her name, it's her title. So he is the treasurer of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, by the way, is what we would call Sudan today, in that area. So he's a wealthy person, so he, all the trappings. He's on a chariot. It's not a Roman chariot, but it's a big carriage, so that there's enough for a driver, there's enough for protection, there's probably an entourage of security. Uh, Philip is on there either reading, or not Philip, uh, the eunuch is on there either reading or being read to, and there's room enough for Philip to join him. So there's this big chariot, he is uh, wealthy, so all that stuff going on. He is Ethiopian, so Sudan, he's very dark, and he's a eunuch, so there's some obvious facial things, no hair and such. And so this is just a peculiar sight. The Spirit of the Lord says to him, go up next to him. Philip goes up next to him. He, Philip hears the uh, Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah, of all things. They build up a conversation. Philip joins him. He preaches. Philip preaches. Remember, this is the guy from the soup kitchen. He preaches to the eunuch about Jesus Christ, starting from that passage from Isaiah. 
And now they come to a pond, the eunuch gets baptized, goes back to what we would call Sudan or Ethiopia, and now we have a witness for Jesus Christ in the heart of the empire of Ethiopia or Sudan. Now, again, this is going to be very politically incorrect. Can you deal with it? Thanks. <clears throat> Did I mention that Jerusalem, remember that was right there, is the center of the world? That's quite true, literally true for ancient people, ancient Jewish people. And the farther you get from the center of the world, the more peculiar people become. So as I said, there's Jewish people and everybody else. But they know there's different kinds of everybody else. So for example, Ireland was never part of the Roman Empire. You knew that, right? Ireland was, first of all, too far away. Second, like Scotland, by the way, the people are too crazy. Who wants them? And they're really peculiar people. For example, this is true. If you're living in Jerusalem, try to get your head around this. It's reported that there are people living in Ireland who have reddish skin and red hair. Wow. I mean, speaking about freaky sights, am I offending some people here? When you get to the ends of the world, you get some really freaky looking people. If you're in the center of the world, Jerusalem, go south. In the south, in Sudan, there are people there who have really black skin. Imagine that. That's not seen much in Jerusalem. In other words, the farther you get to the ends of the world, the more peculiar people become. Listen to what just happened. You catch what happened? Philip, the one, the gentle, kind man who has been all, through all kinds of trauma, remember Uncle Stephen was killed, Philip, who has no big plans to do anything great for Christ, Philip has preached the gospel in Jerusalem, through Judea, into Samaria, and out into the ends of the world, quite literally. Not because he had great plans to do that, but because he was ready. He was prepared. So the question is, are you prepared? When that opportunity comes, are you prepared to be a witness even if it's not part of your plan, are you prepared to speak the gospel even unto the ends of the world? Let me conclude with another, um, another acronym. You ready for another acronym? It's quick. The acronym is gospel. Gospel. This is kind of a summary of the whole thing. G, grief. Grief and suffering are part of life. There's no way around it. Christ was crucified. If the second person of the Trinity experienced grief, you're going to experience grief. It's just the way it is. Grief. Philip experienced grief. Uncle Stephen was killed. Obedience. Just because we have grief and suffering doesn't mean we have an out. Doesn't mean we have an excuse not to be obedient. We need to stay obedient to Christ Jesus and in the Word. Grief. Obedience. S, sensitivity to the Spirit. When the Spirit nudges us, not to go north, but to go south, can we hear that whisper? Grief, part of life. Obedience, ongoing. Sensitivity to the Spirit. A plan. God has a plan. And it might not be your plan. We need plans. Philip sent his four daughters up to Caesarea. He need, that's a plan. But God has a bigger plan. And we're included, and oftentimes we have no idea how, like Philip. Grief. Um, obedience, sensitivity to the Spirit, a plan, expectation at any moment 
God might call us into service, and, and are we ready? And finally, and then I'll be done, the legitimate, this is the L word, the legitimate labor of the Lord is never difficult. My yoke is easy and my burden light. When Philip was asked up onto that chariot, it was delightful. The legitimate labor of the Lord is delightful. Are you ready? Are you prepared? God calls all of us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you call even soup kitchen volunteers like Philip to bring the gospel quite literally to the very ends of the earth. Use us, Lord, in ways that we cannot even imagine, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.